Euzubillahimineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmain. Allahümme allimna ma yanfa'una ve anfa'ana bima allamtena ve zedina ilmen nafiyah. Allahümme erinel hakka hakkan verzukna ittiba'a ve erinel batıla batıla verzukna ictinab. Rabbi işrahli sadri ve yassirli emri ve ahlul uqadeten min lisani yefkahu kavli. Esselamu aleyküm ve rahmetullahi ve berekatuhu. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bediüzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series or watch them at the uh, website www.reflections-rn.org. You can, ha- you can have access to podcast uh, episodes and please subscribe to whichever podcast uh, server you are using. Or you can listen to it on YouTube at Reflections RN, uh, which is the name of the channel. And of again, please subscribe there too. Uh, the website I mentioned, www.reflections-rn.org, has links to both the podcast episodes and the YouTube uh, video versions of uh, the, the podcast series. Inshallah, in this episode, we will... Um, reflect upon how one should read the Risale-i-Nur. Uh, this will be the sixth, yes, sixth uh, video episode in this introductory series. And inshallah, it will be the last two. Um, we did four videos about the life of Bedu Zaman Said Nursi, one about what the Risale-i-Nur is, introducing the Risale-i-Nur, uh, one about why should one bother to read the Risale-i-Nur? What is the benefit that one would get from it? And this will be about how to read the Risale-i-Nur, inshallah. So, Bismillah. How to read the Risale-i-Nur? Ustad Nursi is reported to have said, um, I'm saying reported to have said because this was first um, articulated by, by one of his students, Zubeyir Gündüzalp, uh, which is one of his foremost students. He lived with Ustad Nursi during the last few, several years of his life at a conference. And there Zubeyir Gündüzalp says this, and then the text of the conference was um, typed up and placed at the end of one of Ustad Nursi's works, uh, Sözler, the words, and it is endorsed by Ustad Nursi there. So he wants this text to be put at the end of uh, the first book in the Risale Inur collection. So although it is reported, uh, it is verified and endorsed and approved by Bedir Zaman Said Nursi himself. So what is that? <clears throat> Ustad Nursi is reported to have said, The teacher of the Risale Inur is the Risale Inur. The teacher of the Risale Inur is the Risale-i-Nur. The Risale-i-Nur does not necessitate being taught by others. Everybody can benefit from it on their own in accordance with their preparedness. Even if your intellect does not understand each and every matter completely, your spirit, heart, and conscience will receive their shares. 
regardless of how much you benefit from it, there is a great gain. Um, this is a very important guideline about how to read the Risale Inur, especially if you are familiar with the uh, traditions of scholarship in Islam. Silsila, having a chain of transmission to the author of the original author of a work, or if the, if this is a Quran recitation or uh, Hadith prophetic traditions, having a, an authentic chain of transmission to the Prophet himself is very important in our tradition. Um, it helps us preserve the authenticity of the tradition. Texts can be interpreted in many ways. And the process of interpretation can sometimes lead to distortion. This is what happened to many other religions. God sent a prophet to all communities in the world and it's only Muslims who now have the authentic and complete message in their hands. So preservation of authenticity therefore is very important for the believers for humanity in general. <clears throat> and in our tradition the concept or the institution of chain of transmission has been introduced to preserve it. Therefore oftentimes you will meet uh, you know, someone who will tell you, if you mention a book, for instance, they'll tell you, so who did you study it with? Who is your teacher? This is especially valid if you are, uh, if you are talking about some of the more complicated and ambiguous books, such as uh, Shaykh al-Akbar Muhyiddin ibn Arabi's in Ibn al-Arabi's books, right? There are so many things in there that you can misunderstand and that can mislead you. Therefore, they say that one should not study or read the books of Ibn Arabi on their own. They should have a sheikh with them. Now, when it comes to the Risale Inur, the Yajaza, the uh, the, the authorization to study, right, and transmit is given by Bedir Zaman Said Nursi to all who approach the Risale Inur with the right intention. There are some criteria about how to read the Risale Inur and that's what we are going to talk about here. But once you meet those criteria, you should not worry about reading the Risale Inur with a teacher. The Risale Inur contains in itself its own instructor, its own teacher. And the, I mean, as we will talk more, but in, in, very briefly, the Risale Inur also is a book that will not expose you to harmful content or, or potentially harmful content. How can potentially harm, harmful content be? Say you are reading a book of Kalam, dialectical theology, or speculative theology, Kalam. 
the way this discipline evolved, the, the Kalam discipline evolved is non-Muslims would learn about Islam and they would pose questions to Muslims. They would challenge Muslims. They would pose them questions that criticized, try to undermine their faith. And then scholars who knew the tradition, Islam, the Hadith, the, the, the Quran, so on and so forth, who knew all of these things very well. And I mean, the tradition we have, the scripture, the Nas, the Quran and the prophetic traditions are foolproof. You, you, you cannot poke holes into it. They're tight. They are from the knower of all, right? So when outsiders pose challenges and questions and uh, criticize it, that is based on misunderstanding or ignorance or um, false intentions. It does not have truth. It does not have foundation. So it is possible to undermine all of these challenges. And scholars did that. They studied the tradition, learned the questions, learned the background to those questions, learned the um, epistemological, that is, uh, epistemology is the study of um, knowledge, how you know what you know is true, right? The, the study of this. They studied the epistemological foundations of those questions and challenges, and they provided answers to them. So if you read a Kalam book, what you will have is you will first have an articulation and explanation of the, the the challenge and then you will have a response to it most in most cases not always but in most cases and then you'll have a response to it and you will have it refuted uh, for you the problem is if that challenge if that question in your is not in your mind why put it there if you don't have the question why seek an answer if this is not a problem for you why seek a solution, right? So when you study a Kalam book, uh, what is possible is that you will be exposed to those challenges and questions and criticisms and attempts to undermine religion, right? So you may have difficulty finding your way through this and therefore it's very important to study it with a teacher. It will expose you to the problem. The Risale-i-Nur, with very few exceptions, will not expose you to the problem, to the dispute, to the controversy. It will take you to the reality that that controversy has um, risen in the first place to, to, to understand. Right? So all of these controversies are about trying to understand some reality and people look at it from different perspectives with different levels of capacity to grasp it, to, to um, perceive it. And reality is out there. Reality is reality, but the problem is with the, 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 um, the positions that people take and the limitations that they have. So risale Inur exposes you to realities directly without dealing with those problems and limitations positions and so on and so forth so because this is the case <clears throat> when you read the risale Ainur, it is almost impossible like if one tried hard maybe one could succeed but it's almost impossible to uh to to stray 
away from the straight path. Now that is if you read it with the criteria that we will articulate here, right? You cannot just pull the book, read two pages from the middle of a treatise and assume that you read the Rasanina. That's not how you do it. Right? It is a, it is a uh, holistic, complete uh, package of instruction and you need to expose yourself to the whole instruction. But once you meet these criteria, the teacher of the Risale Inur is the Risale Inur. You don't have to worry about not having a teacher to, who will teach you the Risale Inur. I mean, if you have one, if you have somebody who has, uh, you know, studied the Risale Inur, has been exposed to it for a long time, has read it many times over and has been in, uh, you know, circles of study and so on and so forth. If you have somebody who's going to guide you like this, okay, all the better. Benefit from that person. Right? But don't recognize that person as the ultimate authority about the Risale Inur. You still use your own mind because the text is clear and it's exposing your, it's itself to you. Perhaps that person has some limitations, so keep that in mind too. Now, when people from different parts of Turkey came to Ustad Nursi and asked him to teach them, he would tell them not to come to him but to read the Risale Inur. So this is also interesting. Um, People would come to Meduzama Said Nursi. Uh, he was exiled for those who uh, listened to our episodes about his life. Uh, when he was ex uh, exiled to Western Anatolia, he was forced to stay in a small village um, under surveillance. And then he was imprisoned and exiled to another town, then another town, and all these periods he lived under. Um, close police scrutiny. Sometimes he was forced to, forced to live in certain uh, residences and so on and so forth. It was very difficult to visit him, but still people tried. But more um, relevantly to what we are talking about here, after 1952-1953, he was allowed to stay where he wanted. And there was some level of relaxation uh, in, the, in the level of surveillance that he was put under. So people came to, to where he lived. People tried to visit him. <clears throat> they thought that there was some blessing, there was some effusion, there was some light that they could take from him. And Bedir Zaman Said Nursi was such a humble person who uh, feared ostentation so much that he always told them that he had no personal blessing. All the blessing that there was that one could seek from him was contained in the Risale Inur and the Risale Inur was a, uh, a a work inspired by the Quran it was the property of the Quran not his own property so he did not want people to deal with him he wanted people to go straight to the Risale Inur now what this entails is that uh, you know corroborating what we read what this entails is that uh, he wanted people to read the Risale Inur on their own he would give them the text and say, read this. Right? They did not need to study it. Study it with Beduza Masayid Nursi or anybody else. Thus, everybody can read the Risale Inur on their own and benefit from it. One does not need permission from a teacher who had already studied the Risale Inur with another teacher. You do not need a chain of transmission to study the Risale Inur. Nobody has to approve your study of the Risale Inur. 
Nevertheless, we can think of some guidelines to follow in order to maximize our ability to benefit from the Risale-Inu. Now, these are not the criteria that I mentioned uh, that one should follow uh, to, to, to read the Risale-Inu or to uh, be able to come to a position where you know, one can say, I have understood the Risale-Inu and I can consider myself a student of Bedouzaman Said Nursi. Right? That, that criteria, in a nutshell, is that one, you read it with careful, carefully and at, uh, attentively. You don't read it as though you are re reading a newspaper just to, you know, pass time. No, you read it with the understanding that you are studying sacred knowledge. Um, two, you read the entire Risaleinu. You don't just read one piece and then, you know, leave it aside. You read the entire Risaleinu from beginning to end. <clears throat> with as much understanding as possible. And three, you don't assume that you have understood it, understood it after reading it once. You have to read it with understanding at least a few times because there are aspects of the book uh, or the collection that complete others. Uh, we will talk more about this uh, soon. You cannot assume that you understood one treatise until you read a relevant section in another treatise. And then you cannot assume that you understood that one until you read a relevant section in another treatise. And then everything connects to one another. So it is a whole and you have to be exposed to the whole uh, and, and you have to be exposed several times. So this is in a nutshell, but this is, of course, not the complete answer to how we should read the Risaleinur. Right, so how should we read the Risale-i-Nur in order to maximize our benefit from it? First, and we talked about this already when we talked about the question of why read the Risale-i-Nur. The first is intention, right? As we explained there, the gates of benefit for the gates of benefit to open, one needs to read the Risale-i-Nur with the intention to benefit from it. You don't read it in order to criticize it. You don't read it in order to analyze it. You don't read it in order to, I don't know what, right? You read it in order to benefit from it. And the measure of this benefit is attaining certainty in faith. So the benefit that you want to attain from the Risale-i-Nur is to, to um, have certainty in faith to preserve your faith, if you have faith, to preserve your faith and to preserve your certainty and to increase in it. And by doing all of these, the intention of the intention, we said, by doing all of these to draw closer to God. In reading the Risale-i-Nur, your intention is to earn the good pleasure of God, God's contentment, Rida, right? God's Rida. You, that's what you need to aim in reading the Risale-i-Nur, and you need to see it as a means to attaining the uh, pleasure of God because, because the Risale-i-Nur is an interpretation of the Qur'an and you need to see it as your means to the Qur'an. It is something that will help you understand the Qur'an. That is the point. The point is to be able to understand the Qur'an. And the Risale-i-Nur is the means for this. And it is a it is an excellent means. It is a most relevant means for the times that we live in. Second, so the second guideline uh, to maximize our ability to benefit from the Risale-i-Nur. 
Ikhlas. Um, this is a key term in religion and it can be translated as sincerity in purpose. Right? When you do something, you do it with a pure intention. Uh, you know, it, it can also be translated as a purity of intention. It's usually rendered as sincerity, but it needs to be opened up a little bit like sincerity in purpose. Right? It is one of the most central character traits that Ustad Nursi taught to his students and the Risale Nur ingrains this in its readers. Hulusi um, Yahyagin was one of Ustad Nursi's students and he actually called him his first student. He was a blessed man. Um, he is said to have read there are actually there are two treatises that Ustad Nursi wrote about Ikhlas. Hulusi Abi is said to have read these treatises at least a thousand times. And he was known for his Ikhlas. He was known for the purity, purity of his intention. <clears throat> so the um, foremost quality of Ustad Nursi's foremost student was his Ikhlas. Bedouzaman Said Nursi ingrains sincerity and purpose in his students, and the Risale Nur does this. It means, Ikhlas means fulfilling God's commands and abstaining from what he has forbidden, right? Fulfilling his commands and abstaining from what is forbidden. That's what we are supposed to do, right? That's the, def that's the uh, definition of Amal deed in a nutshell and we believe we have faith iman and after faith comes amal deeds acts right fulfilling god's commands and abstaining from what he has forbidden but is that enough is that enough that you look at a person and he has completed his deeds like he prays five times a day uh prays the sunnas that come with it fasts goes to hajj uh, does not lie and so on and so forth he does everything that he's supposed to do but is that enough no it's not enough because actions are according to intentions if he is not doing these with ikhlas that is sincerity and purpose purity of intention that will not benefit him that will not benefit him so ikhlas means fulfilling god's commands and abstaining from what he has forbidden solely only for God's sake and intending nothing but his pleasure in one's deeds. And this is something difficult to, uh, I mean, it is difficult to conceptualize and intend and, and, and sometimes do, but it's difficult to maintain because the world is so distractive and the Satan keeps whispering and we have our lower souls that are compulsing, prodding, right? Uh, we, you know, start prayer, say, Allahu Akbar, God is the greatest. I forgot everything. I'm not standing before God. But, you know, as soon as you say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, you remember that you forgot to turn the fire off on the stove. And then you remember that somebody slighted you earlier in the day and you're upset about that. When you have ikhlas, right? That's a state. 
you are you are in a state of putting God first and doing what you do for God's sake without losing without losing that precious gem in the precious intention in your acts it is a powerful secret for success in all affairs because God is the one who gives success in all affairs and if you are doing it to, to, to please God and if you are successful in your uh, intention then then God will give you success so it is a powerful secret for success in all affairs and this applies to achieving what one expects from reading the Risale in or two you want to read the Risale in order to benefit from it if you do this with ikhlas with sincerity of purpose just to please God, then God will give you success in your intention, in your uh, wish to benefit from the Risaleinur. <clears throat> Third guideline in what we should pay attention to in order to maximize our benefit from the Risaleinur. Third guideline, respect. If the teacher of the Risaleinur is the Risaleinur, then the reader needs to approach it with a level of respect that behooves showing one's teacher. If you don't respect your teacher, you won't be able to learn anything from them. It just doesn't work. And this is valid for any kind of uh, student-teacher relationship. I mean, you may get something, but it's not going to be complete benefit. Especially if it is about sacred knowledge, right? So... You don't go to your teacher, say you are studying hadith with a uh, teacher. You don't go to your teacher and you know, sit in a disrespectful manner, ignore your teacher, roll your eyes to your teacher, uh, despise your teacher, think, um, you know, think of your teacher as a like lowly person. You don't go there to 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 with the intention to find gaps in his discourse or faults in his uh, teaching. You don't go there with a like contrarian state of mind. No, you go with humility. You go with full recognition of the knowledge that this person has. Now choose your teacher well, right? Do your research. Don't go to a person who says that he knows something, that he says that he's a teacher, but in fact he is a quack. He, or may, maybe he is not a quack, maybe he has good intentions, but he has half knowledge. In Turkish they say, um, A bad doctor would cost a person his life, and a bad imam, like or say a teacher here right hoja costs a person his faith so choose your teacher well do your research well but once you have chosen and set in front of this person to to learn go with humility right be respectful now if the teacher of the risaleinur is the risaleinur show that respect that you are supposed to show to your teacher to the risaleinur simple an important aspect of this condition, that's the condition of respect. An important aspect of this condition is to avoid reading the Risale Inur with a contrarian approach. One who constantly challenges his teacher out of contrariness 
cannot acquire the complete knowledge that his teacher has to offer. First listen. First try to understand. First try to grasp the, the, the subject because when, when a person is con contrarian, uh, they usually even do not listen to the end of the word, the end of the sentence, end of the discourse. They just try to find gaps here and there and as soon as they find something, they jump on it and that as a result of that, that miss, they, they miss the benefit of hearing what, what was going to come at the end because what they jumped on is probably going to be handled and taken care of or, or rendered irrelevant by the end of the sentence, by the end of the discussion, right? So do not approach it with a contrarian approach. The Risale-i Nur is the work of Bedu'uz-Zaman Said Nursi. Now this is important. The Risale-i Nur is the work of Bedu'uz-Zaman Said Nursi. Bedu'uz-Zaman Said Nursi's knowledge and sincerity were tested and found to be impeccable time and again. He is not a living scholar who has lived 60 years but has another 20 years to live and God knows what will happen in those 20 years. No. He lived and he died, his file is closed, and we now open the file and look, and it's impeccable. <clears throat> impeccable record in preserving faith, in preserving the sacred knowledge, in preserving the realities that, um, that will take a human being to paradise, to, to, to eternal salvation, to their Lord impeccable loyalty to his cause and impeccable cause right he was tested and found impeccable time and again and also um impeccable record of knowledge and he 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 was an ocean in knowledge so he knows what he's talking about moreover millions of people have learned from the risale nur and saved their faith with it Therefore, perhaps an advanced scholar may take a look at the Risale Nur to evaluate its scholarly worth and rank among other textual treasures of the Islamic tradition, and that will only increase the place of the Risale Nur in their minds. Right? Perhaps an advanced scholar may do this. But the one who comes to it to learn from it needs to read it with a pure heart and the intention to absorb the knowledge that it has to offer. Read it with a pure heart and the intention to absorb the knowledge that it has to offer. This, and this is also important, this does not mean that one should accept everything in the Risale-i Nur simply on authority of its author. Simply on the authority of its author. Like don't, we have, the, 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 what we are trying to say here is not, you know, Bedu'uzzaman Said Nursi said this, then accept it, then approve it, right? That, that, that is something that is valid. Uh, it will be taqlid, imitation. It is an institution that has preserved the piety and religiosity of millions, perhaps billions of believers throughout history. But that's not what Bedou Zaman Said Nursi asks of his students, uh, mostly in recognizing the circumstances of the age in which we live, that preserving conviction based on uh, one's good opinion of a human being, right, is very difficult in this age. We are we are 
bombarded with different alternative opinions all the time and sometimes the authority behind those alternative opinions is also big in our eyes then what happens right so Bedouzama Said Nursi wants to wants wants us to keep our intellect intact and with us ready on the table to judge what he is saying right so we do not uh, accept everything in the Risale Nur simply on the authority of its author on the contrary we use sound judgment while reading the Risale Nur and learn from it with conviction okay so this is perfectly fine use your sound judgment and evaluate what he is saying what the Risale Nur is saying but use sound judgment being contrarian is not using sound judgment it is an attempt to prove the opposite right it's prejudice so don't read it to disprove it don't read it to disprove it have respect have a recognition of the rank of its author then have your intellect in, intellect intact and on the you know table next to you as you read the Risale Inur. fourth um, condition or quality that we want to have while reading the Risale Inur. <clears throat> patience and perseverance one so we are going to have this twice patience and perseverance we are going to have this twice <clears throat> one the Quran exposes its reader to reality as reality is and the Risale Nur guides its readers to attaining a Quranic vision of reality reality is simple but tremendous reality is simple everything works together and you know, it's simple but it's tremendous reaching from the microcosm to the macrocosm from this world to the hereafter and ultimately exposing one to God through his acts in creation as well as his names and attributes right that that tremendous reality in the creation all of it all of it put together maybe maybe a measure in the human mind not in external experimental reality but in the in the human mind maybe a measure to you know recognize the grandeur the tremendousness of God and then at, after that what you say is Allahu Akbar God is greater than that but but how do you how do you recognize that tremendous reality that's very difficult right so you cannot comprehend this through shortcuts this is a task before the human being this is something that the human being has to put effort in this is not to be comprehended through shortcuts unless God God opens his gates of knowledge to a person as a special blessing but that will be special right we want we want to find a way to expose everybody including ourselves I mean, I'm not a special person I'm an ordinary person right if anybody out there can say that they are a special person okay congratulations but if you are an ordinary person right you won't have shortcuts to this you need to put effort into this therefore the seeker who seeks to attain certainty in faith the knowledge of reality as reality is and ultimately the knowledge of God needs to have patience you have to put effort into this you have to have patience this knowledge comes in stages right the knowledge of reality comes in stages 
Each stage prepares a person to attain knowledge of the next. It's like climbing stairs. If you're on the second steps, you cannot jump to the seventh step. You are just going to stumble and tumble down. You have to go step by step, step by step. The knowledge of these stages is packed in all the words and verses and uh, of the Quran, all the words and verses of the Quran. Sometimes literally and sometimes through indications. So it's not only chapters, it's not only verses, but even words. The knowledge of these stages is packed, packed in all the words and verses of the Quran. Sometimes literally and sometimes through indications. Likewise, the Risale Nur exposes its readers to all stages of knowledge in all of its treatises, but that knowledge does not open up to each reader right away at first reading. So it is also packed. Every treatise of the Risale Nur, right? You can you can start from it and open it up a little bit connect to another treatise and open a little bit more and connect to another treatise, open a little bit more, connect to another treatise, and then you'll have these invisible threads connecting to everything in the Risa So what does that mean? That means it's packed. Each of those treatises are packed with knowledge and light and wisdom. The more one reads, the more one becomes prepared to recognize higher levels of knowledge. So what you get from it the first time you read it, right, is great benefit. But don't think that that's all that's out there. Because you didn't use those threads, th threads and reach out to the other parts of the, the whole compendium and study those too. And as a result, recognize. Recognize the, the, the greater reality that's being exposed here. You haven't done that yet. Sometimes the key to a treasure of knowledge in one of the treatises is hidden in another treatise. One needs to read that other treatise, take the key term from there, and come back to the first one in order to attain its treasures. And that's only you know, some of its treasures, because perhaps there's another key hidden in another treatise that you need to get and come back, and now you will open the, the, the gates of that treasure too. Sometimes this is a matter of spiritual preparedness. So it's not only about the intellect. It's not only about um, understanding matters with the, with the intellect. Sometimes it is a matter of spiritual preparedness because the Risale Nur is not only a work that addresses the intellect. It addresses the heart too. It addresses the spirit too. It trains and elevates the spirit too. Right? Reading the Risale Nur is like Sayyidus Luke. It's like wayfaring on the spiritual path that they do in the in the tariqas in Sufi orders. Sometimes this is a matter of spiritual preparedness. The light of knowledge opens up to the reader in stages. At other times, it is a matter of terminology. As all sciences have their specific terms and concepts, so does the science of reality. And one needs to learn and internalize them, those concepts. The Risale Nur teaches these terms and concepts with a subtle pedagogical method using parables and metaphors to help the reader acquire them gradually rather than throwing them at the reader to memorize. Right? I mean, Im imagine yourself studying logic. If you haven't done it, do it. How you will have to, you know, first understand and memorize and keep in mind and connect so many terms and concepts 
and understand how they relate to one another. Imagine yourself learning algebra, right? So you, there's a lot of memorization and uh, you know, practice and so on and so forth involved. The Risale-i-Nur does not ask you, so this is the first uh, chapter, uh, memorize these terms in this chapter and then you can move on to the second chapter. No, there is a subtle pedagogical method that's going to help you acquire that knowledge rather than memorize it. When children, like uh, small children, babies, start to learn language and learn language, we don't call that learning language, we call it acquiring la uh, language. Learning language is when you, uh, you know, study a language as a second language, you study its grammar, you, you know, have flashcards to memor memorize words and so on and so forth. That's learning language, that's studying and learning language. When a baby learns language, we call it acquired language because this comes to the baby uh, through practice and exposure rather than you know, intentional study or artificial study. It's a much more organic, much more a holistic process. And the language that's acquired in that way is preserved much better than the language that is studied and learned thereafter. And also it comes out uh, much more naturally for the individual. It's much uh, like the, the, the mind will be sharper and quicker in using that language. Different segments of the brain are uh, activated when you when you hear the words in a second language that you have learned and hear words from a primary language, your your uh, you know mother tongue. So, what the Risale Nur does is it helps you acquire this knowledge rather than memorize it, rather than study it. <clears throat> Thus, one may read a treatise of the Risale Nur and benefit from it to a certain level, but if he is ignorant about some critical concept in the treatise, he may end up not even recognizing the existence of a deeper level hidden therein. Right? There are so many things that children hear from us and they don't even recognize what we are talking about. They think that they understood something, but they didn't because they are not familiar with another concept that they have to have in order to understand that matter, but that's okay. That's okay. That's their level. And there will come the time for them to recognize this higher level too, but they still get something. They are still exposed to something in, in hearing this. So like that child, one reads a treatise, understands some, something, not everything, uh, and thinks that he understood, benefits at, at a certain level, but he is ignorant about some critical concept in the treatise and end up not even recognizing the existence of a deeper level of Hidden, a deeper level hidden therein. But what happens next? Then one reads another treatise, learns about that missing concept and comes back to the previous one, now ready to understand more. Right? So one does, as a result of this, because of this, one does not or should not read the Risale Nur just once, but one should make a habit of reading it continually with the intention to increase in knowledge and certainty. Importantly, there is no end to this process, right? There is no end to this process because the Risale Inur is a means, a, if you will, a um, binocular or telescope through which you look at the stars of the Quran, the, the, the signs in the Quran. And the Quran uh, um, 
entire reality is projected on the Quran. So there is no end from your human, like from our uh, um, worldly human point of view. There is no end to that uh, knowledge, right? So because the Risale Nur is looking to the Quran, there is no end to the benefit that you can get from it by reading it again and again. The process never ends. So while the process never ends, you may think that it came to an end and you may start to think that, okay, I got what I want to get from this. Why, why, why keep reading? No. To get, to maximize the benefit you'll get from the Risale you know, you need to have patience and perseverance. You need to persist in your reading, in your engagement with the Risale you know. The way um, you persist and have perseverance in doing your uh, daily litanies, daily awrad, uh, glorifications of God, right? The way you keep asking for forgiveness from God every way, every day. The way you um, recite and mention the names of God every day in order to be exposed to the manifestations, lights of those names, right? The Risale Nur is a book of tafakkur. The way a book of contemplation, the way you reflect upon the signs in the creation, right? You read the Risalainur every day on a continual basis as your instrument of tafakkur, as your instrument of reflection. And there is, I mean, the level of tafakkur, the level of contemplation and reflection that you can find in the Risalainur is um, unmatched, right? It's, it's, I mean, let's, let's not say unmatched, but it's at, at, at the top, at the top in this tradition, in the tradition of Islam. Among the works that, that are inspired from the Quran and that provide you a means to uh, reflection, it is at the top. So you don't say, you, know, you don't read once or twice and assume that you have understood and learned and you got the benefit that you have to get from. No, you didn't get, you, you didn't get. Um, I mean, even say 5% of the benefit that you could have gotten. There is more to it. There is more to it. And there is more to it. Okay. Next guideline, next condition, <clears throat> patience and perseverance too. So the, as I said, we have, we will have patience and perseverance twice. What does this mean? The Risale Nur addresses the heart, the conscience and the compulsive soul through the intellect and imagination. So we have five things. The Risale Nur addresses the heart, Qalb, the conscience, Wijdan, and the compulsive soul, Nafs, through the intellect, Aql, and imagination, Khayal. As one reads it, the heart and the conscience accept and attach to the truth and beauty that emerges from being exposed to reality and especially the manifestation of God's beautiful names in it. So that uh, reflection we talked about, right? That reflection on the creation takes us to God's beautiful names. And that's a uh, delightful thing. When you start to observe, witness God's, the, the manifestation of God's divine names, when you look out to the world, that's a beautiful thing. That's a um, sweet thing. Right? When you, when you, 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 you know, when the heart and the conscience taste the sweetness of that, they want more of it. 
more of it. The compulsive soul, however, the nafs, may feel constricted at the beginning as this exposure guides one to, to worshipfulness, worshipful slavehood before God. Because the more you taste that sweetness, the more you recognize the majesty of God, and the more you want to be a slave of His, which means that you live a life according to what He wants and not what your, what, not what your compulsive soul wants. Your compulsive soul wants to eat that thing that's forbidden, drink that thing that's forbidden, look at that thing that's forbidden, do this that's forbidden, and it doesn't want to do this that is obligated and wants to avoid that that's obligated. The compulsive soul wants to be the master of its own. Right? And the, the more the heart and the conscience and the intellect, intellect recognize God being manifest everywhere, the more they become aware that, wow, I mean, He is God and He is my Lord. I'm His slave and I need to, you know, do my slavehood. They want to assume a more and more worshipful position, but the compulsive soul does not like that. It does not like that. The compulsive soul feels constricted. Now, if it is not disciplined yet, it resists worshipfulness, it resists, resists uh, slavehood and wants to be free by its nature. Now, this is the key. It can be disciplined and it can be taken on our side because it's our enemy. The conscience, the intellect, the heart, all want to become, you know, um, close slaves of God and attain his good pleasure, attain his contentment. But the compulsive soul wants to pull the other direction and therefore it's the enemy, right? It needs to be disciplined. If it is disciplined, it can be turned into a mount that we write and, you know, go to uh, where, we, where we want to go. But if not, it is an enemy. Satan takes advantage of the compulsive soul's resistance and tries to pull the reader away from engaging the truths of faith contained in the Risaleinur. Now, this is happening, all happening when you, as you read the Risaleinur, because it is the Risaleinur that's providing you this level of reflection and helping you recognize God's names and attributes, uh, beauty and perfection and majesty manifest in the creation. And it is the Risaleinur that is. Um, inspiring you with a sense of presence before God at all times and therefore you start worshiping God as though you see him and so on and so forth right but the composite soul doesn't want all of this the Satan comes into the picture and it you know whispers and therefore together they the the, the Satan and your composite soul try to pull you away from engaging the truths of faith contained in the Risaleinur if the reader uses his intellect and persists, the Risale Nur persuades and disciplines the composite soul too. Ultimately, ultimately. And if God grants success, the soul even increases in rank to a higher level where it enjoys being exposed to reality and the beautiful names of God as manifest therein. Nasul Mardiya, right? So the content soul. Perhaps you can like it, it can guide you there too, right? But there's one condition that is you persist at the beginning. You don't give up. You don't uh, give in to the temptation of your compulsive soul and Satan through his whisperings. Therefore, 
the persistent readers of the Risale-i Nur actually find sweetness in reading it, their heart, their intellect, their conscience find sweetness in reading it, but one needs to be aware of what the compulsive soul wants to do and is doing in trying to pull you away, one needs to persist against it. <clears throat> Next condition, <clears throat> being open-minded. This also relates to the comprehensiveness of the Quranic vision of reality as reflected in the Risale Inur. Now we said that uh, the, our, um, our discussion of patience and perseverance related to this concept, right? Uh, the comprehensiveness of the Quranic vision of reality as reflected in the Risale Inur. Because it's so tremendous, you need to have patience and perseverance, right? Now, because it's so comprehensive and tremendous, you also need to be open-minded as you approach the Risale Inur. Why? Because the Qur'an is the word of God, the all-knowing creator of everything. Its vision of reality is complete. All other sciences and worldviews, on the other hand, observe reality from some limited point of view. Remember the famous example of uh, three men in a room with an elephant, right? One and, and they are blind, or the, the room is dark. One touches the tail and thinks the elephant is a rope. One touches the trunk, thinks the elephant is a... Um, you know, trunk, tree trunk, one touches the, you know, the, the ear and thinks that the elephant is like a sheet or blanket, right? They're in the dark. The Quran is the word of God, the all-knowing creator of everything, and therefore its vision is a vision of reality. If reality is the elephant in the room, its vision of reality is complete. It sees it all. The Quran sees it all. All other sciences and worldviews observe reality from some limited point of view. I mean, the, all other sciences and worldviews have their, in their definition and description, have the, the subject of study, the area of study that they focus on. Like physics has an area of study, chemistry has an area of study. All other sciences and worldviews observe reality from some limited point of view. It is the nature of the times that we live in that we are all exposed to many of those sciences and worldly worldviews at some level. Now that's one of the advantages and also problems of the times that we are living in. We have these, we have our cell phones in our hands and we Google something or we you know search for something and within nanoseconds we have information about it and we have you know, not only text, but also if, also like video recordings and instructions and so on and so forth. We are exposed to all of them. So this is good. We, we have access to more knowledge, but this is also bad because we have access to so many different worldviews that we forget that some of these are true and some of them are not true. We end up living in a world of relativism, right? We have, we have this relativist approach to truth. No, truth is... Um, information that corresponds to reality out there and reality is one reality is comprehensive tremendous big like the elephant in the room but at the end of the day it is one reality so there is one one truth with a capital t but we forget this right it is the nature of the times that we live in that we are all exposed to many of those sciences and world worldviews at some level if you forget the limited nature of the viewpoint of each of those sciences and worldviews in comprehending the complete reality, and as a result, 
attribute unqualified authority to them, we may end up being misled in many ways. Right? So scientists found something, they discovered something. Hooray! So we now have the reality about that. No, we cannot attribute unqualified authority to science or any other uh, worldview that is not informed by revelation. And this is not the claim of science either. I mean, science, the, the very nature of science and the very acknowledged nature of science is that it is probabilistic. It exposes you to what it, it has been able to access in terms of data. I mean, imagine how many universities out there in the world, how many researchers are researching the tiny, it's bitsy, uh, subjects of study, thousands perhaps in the millions, how many articles and books are being published on an annual basis. If science exposed all reality, what is this effort for? What are we still trying to find? They say that the amount of information we have is like doubling, I forgot, maybe every year, every two years. That means we are half ignorant compared to two years from now. We have only 50% of the knowledge that's out there that we will have in two years from now. We are human beings, we are limited. We cannot attribute unqualified authority to any, any source of knowledge that is not informed, uh, inspired, and checked by revelation from the one who knows it all, who created it all. Therefore, we should be careful about not bringing the possibly misguided or deficient notions of reality that we have learned from other sources to our engagement with the Qur'an and its truthful interpretations, including the risale nur We should come to the risale nur with an open mind. The risale nur is a commentary on the Qur'an. It is a telescope to look to the Qur'an. Therefore, come to it with an open mind. By suspending our preconceived cultural, political, or personal agendas and judgments as much as possible. As much as possible. We are human. We will not be able to do it all. But we should at least be aware that we have preconceived notions that may be true or that may not be true. Right? When we come to the Risaleinur, and this relates to the concept of respect too, right? We should come with an open mind. We should, once again, we should not you know, fold our intellects and put it in our pockets not to take it out ever again. No. We should have our intellect with us. We should have a, a critical, not criticizing, but critical mind, an open mind. Right? So this does not mean read it with um, credulity. No, read it with an open mind. Read it with an open mind. But put your prejudices aside. This does not mean that one should avoid reading other books or learning from other sources altogether either. However, one should not attempt to understand the Risale Nur through the lens of other sources. And this is, I mean, this is accurate for other sources of uh, knowledge in the Islamic tradition, tradition too. Right? Don't try to understand the Risale Nur through the lens of Iqtisad uh, Fil-Itiqad. Right? Imam Ghazali's famous work on uh, Kalam, Moderation in Belief. Don't 
try to understand the Risale Nur through the lens of Maktubat Imam Rabbani. Don't try to understand the Risale Nur through the lens of I mean, I'm, I'm mentioning these uh, you know, books because they are really good books and that, you know, read them. Read them, understand them, you will benefit from them. But don't use them as a standard to understand the Risale Nur. Right? They, uh, don't, don't, don't put the Risale Nur or Bedu Zaman Said Nursi into a competition with some other scholar in the Islamic tradition that you may be interested in or exposed to. No. The Risale Nur is an excellent commentary on the Quran that is most relevant to our time. Imam Ghazali is a genius of this tradition. He wrote about, talked about um, lasting eternal realities and we have everything to benefit from his articulation of those realities but he also wrote in a context, in a historical context and some of what he wrote addresses that context and relevant to that context and benefits people who lived in that context but may not be as relevant to us and we cannot take those aspects of his articulation, his narrative, and use it as a judge to assume that we are we are understanding, to, uh, assume that that's going to help us understand the Risale. No, it's not. Don't use, right? Do not attempt to understand the Risale Nur through the lens of other sources. Now, if this is valid for uh, works of scholarship that are inspired by the Quran and prophetic traditions that are inspired by the revelation, what about works of scholarship or works of uh, science or scientific research that are not inspired by revelation physics, chemistry, biology, astronomy, anthropology, sociology. What about those? Do not attempt to understand the Risale Nur through the lens of other sources. We should engage the Risale Nur on its own terms. Read it with understanding at least a few times and develop a good sense of its comprehensive system of knowledge. So things fall into place once you understand a system. There is a system of knowledge, system of thought, system of uh, understanding reality as reality is that is in the Risale Inur. Right? So you need to, to um, evaluate and try to understand what Ustad Nusi is teaching you within the context of that system if you take them out of context you may be you know you, 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 you may find contradictions you may be misled no first recognize the system of knowledge that he is offering to you and then if you want to benefit from other sources of course go ahead and benefit and one concrete example um, sometimes Ustad Nusi talks about 300,000 species Elsewhere, he talks about 400,000 species, right? He is giving examples about the multiplicity, the, the, the you know, enormous multiplicity of different species in the creation, and he relates this to, the, to God's majesty and so on and so forth. Now, research has found later on, and it is continuing to find, that there are other species uh, more than 300,000, more than 400,000, perhaps in the millions, right? Now, 
If you read in the Risalin or 300,000 species and know through your exposure to biology that now today in the world we recognize the existence of say 2 million uh, species, you don't go back to the Risalin and say, look at that, you don't get that. There are 2 million species and you know, you said 300,000. No, that's not the point. The point there is that this 300,000 is taken from the information that's out there from um, the, the scientific record that's out there and used as an example right as a, a as a um, representation of a higher reality and the reality is that God has created a huge multiplicity of species things different things in the in, in out there it's mind-boggling right so get to the point get to the point of course Bedou Zaman is going to use the you know latest uh, most modern number that's out there and you know earlier he uses 300,000 later he uses 400,000 because during his lifetime this changes so get to the point don't use that other thing as a lens through which you will you think you will understand or even criticize the Risalein or no. That's simply missing the point. If you do that, you just miss the point. So engage the Risalein or on its own terms, read it with understanding at least a few times, develop a good sense of its comprehensive system of knowledge, and only then would it be fine to go to other sources and benefit from them to expand on the knowledge that one acquires from the Risaleinur. It's only then it will be okay to relate the knowledge that you get from other sources to the Risaleinur with the hopes, with the uh, intention to expand on your knowledge in the Risaleinur. This doesn't mean that, once again, this doesn't mean that don't study other things, don't learn other things, you know, close yourself up in a room and read the Risaleinur only no, no, it it could be a good idea to do this say for a year the way they uh, would uh, you know close themselves in khalva in seclusion for 40 days right it would be a good idea to close yourself up in in a room and read the risalein only of course the quran uh, you know along with it right you never you know, put the quran inside uh, and you keep your litanies and so on and so forth that would be a good idea that intense level of engagement with the risalein would be a good idea because once again uh, this is not only intellectual it's also spiritual and you would you you, you would take quite a way uh, advance quite a distance on your spiritual wayfaring right but this is not what we are suggesting that everybody does here right what we are suggesting is that don't study other things don't use the knowledge that you acquire from other things other sources to judge the Risaleinur. Right? Approach to the Risaleinur on its own terms. It has a comprehensive system of thought, it has a comprehensive system of uh, recognizing and understanding reality, and that system is based on the Quran. It's not based on anything, it's not on it's not based on his whims and so on and so forth. It is it is a Quranic, it is a Quranic system of thought. First get that down. Um, now, even then, even after you know you understood the Risale Nur and 
now you are ready to expand on the knowledge that one acquires from the Risale-i Nur by taking a look at other sources, even then one needs to follow proper etiquette and not attempt to judge the merits of the Risale-i Nur with the standards of other sources. And this includes other works of Islamic scholarships. Now, all of this I was saying um, relates to and is valid for other works of Islamic scholarship too. Um, I mean, let's let's put it: other works of Islamic scholarship that present a system of thought, a comprehensive system of thought, right? So, don't approach Ibn Arabi with the Risale-i-Nur. I mean, don't use the Risale-i-Nur to as as a lens to judge Ibn Arabi. Don't use the Risale-i-Nur as a lens to judge Ihya'ulumuddin, right? Approach those on their own terms too. Understand the system of thought, and then once you understood, when, once you got what is there to be understood, you know, then move on. Then, then you know, you have reached a higher level of scholarship where you can, uh, you know, perhaps I mean, if, if it is ever possible for, you know, ordinary believers like myself to get there, but you may you may come close to a point of ishtihad where you can evaluate these things on your on on your own, right? But don't assume that you have leveled that level of ishtihad when you are at the beginning of the path. So, perhaps one who attains Ustad Nursi's level of knowledge and realization could pass such a judgment, right? If, if you are there, if you attain the level of knowledge and realization that he has attained, right? you are an Ustad too. Go ahead, do, do as you wish. But otherwise, one should keep his own shortcomings in mind and fear arrogance. This applies to the works of all well-known scholars of Islam whose merits are endorsed by the judgment of time and the good opinions of believers. Right? This is a general rule. Keep your own shortcomings, and this is an address to myself too. We should keep our own shortcomings in mind and fear arrogance. We should not put ourselves in a position as though we are like their judges. No, this applies to the works of all well-known scholars of Islam. We approach them to benefit from them. We don't approach them to judge them. And who are those scholars? Who are these people that we should you know, preserve, uh, keep this etiquette in approaching? Those whose merits are endorsed by the judgment of time and the good opinion of believers, the community of believers, that is the standard. Now, last condition or um, guideline in maximizing the benefit that we get from the Risale-i-Nur. There may be more, there may be more. This is just a uh, you know quick guideline. Uh, it is not an exhaustive list, right? And the last one we will talk about is group reading. In addition to a continual individual reading, Ustad Nursi taught his students to read the Risale-i Nur in groups, in circles, lessons. In a group reading, those who understand the matter better can help others understand it too. Or sometimes, someone misunderstands the matter and others correct it. 
An important added benefit of reading in groups is that inspired meanings tend to come to such groups in accordance with the need of the most needy person in the circle. This is something that I have personally witnessed many times. Uh, if, if I'm in a circle and there is some person with true ikhlas and a ramification of true ikhlas is that the person recognizes his own shortcomings and feels the need to to, to knowledge right to, because uh, one who does not recognize his own shortcomings does not feel a need to uh, evolve and progress and get better right so when there is such a person in a circle it doesn't matter who is going to doing the dash who is doing the talking the gates of effusions opens up lights start to uh, rain down right an added benefit of reading in groups is that inspired meanings so meanings open up tend to come to such groups in accordance with the need of the most needy person in the circle and everybody benefits from the higher level of understanding that results from this inspiration and this is a really beautiful thing you think that you have uh you know studied and understood and so on and so forth and you get there and and there is somebody who perhaps is even ignorant right compared to everybody else in the group but because that person is there and the and and the, and the position that that person's person takes with his heart before before god out of his mercy to that person god benefits everybody in the group um, so this is also very important. Reading the Risale-i Nur is, of course, an individual act, but it's also a communal act. And therefore, reading the Risale-i Nur is the foundation for a um, uh, the, the formation, maintenance of uh, congregations, communities, communities of believers as well. Okay, uh, we will stop here, inshallah. Uh, in our earlier introductory sessions, we also did one on reading the Risale-i in translation. I'm not going to do a video for that uh, for now. Maybe later at some point I may uh, I may do it. But uh, because it's such a specific question that does that's not re relevant to uh, everybody, I'm going to leave that aside. It's more it's a more technical uh, matter. So inshallah, on the website www.reflections-rn.org if you go to introduction you can access the, uh, the the audio version of that recording the podcast recording on uh, you know what are the things that one should pay attention to in reading the Risale-i-Nur in English inshallah so that's available there I'm not going to do it here inshallah in the next episode uh, next video slash audio episode, we will go back to reading the Risale Nur actually and continue uh, from where we uh, left. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma allamtana innaka anta al-alimul hakim wa akhir al-dabahum anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen al-fatiha.